Um, all right, so to get us going this morning, um, Eric is going to give a kind of a state of the startup talk. So I'm going to turn it over to him as we've got people streaming in here. Um, there's no better way to start than have Eric kick us off. Thanks, Sarah. Hello. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. Um, I can't really express how um, grateful and, and humbling this experience is uh, to see you all come uh, you know, from all over the world to do this uh, with us together. And uh, you know, I know you want to get to the program, so I just want to give some brief remarks about kind of where are we as a Lean Startup movement, what's been happening this year, and what are we thinking about as we put this program together and uh, what we want you to think about over the next couple of days. For those of you who were here last year, I told a story about um, a manufacturing process where we had people, anyone remember the appliance with the 29 buttons, well, only of which three of which are only ever pushed by human beings, so most of the work that's going into building these products is pure waste. And that's not a typical startup story like you would read on TechCrunch or something about, you know, the genius engineers in a garage making a billion dollars, but to me, it's still a very important part of the work that we do as a Lean Startup Movement is to help people eliminate that kind of waste from their process. So I want to bring you another story from my work this year uh, that's even more boring than that story. Okay, I want to take you with me deep into the bowels of the most boring parts of modern corporate America, which I've spent a lot of my time this past year. And I was working with a very large company, and we were doing Lean Startup workshops to train their leaders in uh, working in this new way. And one of the teams they brought me was truly an unholy alliance of the two worst gatekeeper functions in modern America, finance and IT, brought together into a, into a so-called startup team. Now, this team, when I met them, was uh, 25 people, each of whom was assigned to the project for 10% of their time. So this is like the most un... See, some people here are like cringing as they even picture this. Some of you who work with these people know exactly what I'm talking about. This is the multi-headed hydra that destroys creativity in almost every company, right? And this is really a committee, okay? This is the most bureaucratic type committee. And they were tasked with working on something very exciting. They were going to roll out a new IT system to help the company do its quarterly reports in a more accurate way every quarter. Now, that doesn't sound very exciting, but I'd like to point out that most companies have a quarterly reporting process that is extremely manual and error-prone, extremely time-consuming, and thanks to recent changes in the law, uh, if you misreport information in your quarterly report, like, executives can go to jail. So it's pretty important, and it's pretty shocking to me how error-ridden this process is. So it's actually a pretty important thing to get right. Uh, plus, I want you to visualize the thousands of people that have to work on that report every quarter instead of doing useful work. Now, this team was tasked with solving that problem. So here was their plan coming in. You, some of you know this already. Here was the plan. This 25-person committee would spend 18 months uh, interviewing stakeholders, gathering requirements, and uh, putting together a global design, which would be delivered to all the different P&Ls of the business, who would then have another 18 months to implement the design in a completely consistent way, which we know they're going to do. No problem. So 36 months from the start to finish, we would have this new design consistently implemented and driving tremendous productivity savings across the corporation. Right, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> right, we know what's going to happen. What's going to happen is this giant binder is going to be produced. The binder is going to be handed off to 25 different people all across the business who are going to be like, oh, crap, now I have to implement this thing? I don't even understand what half of it means. At the end of 36 months, there's not going to be productivity savings. There's not, everything's not going to be better. Things are going to be worse. And who's going to be accountable? Who's going to be responsible? Not the people on the committee, they're, they're long gone, right? They built this binder months ago. And the people who actually implemented the system, what are they going to say? 
Well, it's not my fault that there's no productivity savings. I implemented the specification exactly as it was in the beautiful binder. And the people on committee are going to say, if any of them still work at the company, uh, did you follow the recommendations in the binder exactly? Well, no, we ha aha, that's why you didn't get the productivity savings. If only ever. So this is like the most unproductive, gigantic waste of time. These are those IT projects that become these massive sinkholes and produce millions of dollars of losses and are basically uh, a complete waste of time. So over the course of our workshop, we had this team really change the way that they thought. We got the 25-person team down to five dedicated people in a cross-functional way. Um, we got them to, instead of spending 18 months gathering requirements, we had them go to each P&L in the business and make them an offer. Here's the offer. If you say yes, the very next day, our team will be on a plane from corporate headquarters to your headquarters, wherever you are in the world, and we will set up the first instance of this software within 30 days. And then every 90 days, once a quarter, that's the nice thing about reporting, every quarter we will show you a new version of the software which you can voluntarily use if and only if you get productivity savings out of it. And we will stay at your location for as long as it takes to actually drive productivity improvement. And then and only then will we try to move this design from P&L to P&L to P&L. Now, some of you will be like, well, that was the obvious thing to do. I can't believe they were so stupid as to not do that in the first place. I know, I know. But... Here's the thing I want to tell you. This is what people don't believe about this story. After this transformation, the people who did this work were honest-to-God entrepreneurs. And, and nobody could believe it. Inside the company, several people accused me of drugging them, putting something in their water. They're like, who is this person, and how did they become so different than the person they were last week? You know, is there some kind of nefarious power involved? And I had to be like, no. What's changed is the circumstance, the system around them that has allowed them to act in an entrepreneurial way when that was simply impossible. In fact, in the previous season, they were paid not to act that way. And if they saw someone else acting that way, they were paid to tear that person down. Some of you have been the victim of that really delightful process. So part of what we have accomplished as Lean Startup Movement is we have continued this progression of these ideas into more and more unusual places, like the deep bowels of corporate America, like into governments and nonprofits. Of course, plenty of tech startups and the people you do read about on TechCrunch. Uh, that really has been our success. But that same success has this year led to a bit of a backlash. So I've been kind of waiting for the backlash against Lean Startup to happen. You know, any new idea, that's, that's inevitable. Uh, some of the criticisms we've seen this year, uh, that we uh, don't really appreciate the importance of vision, and we have forgotten that Lean is not an end in itself, uh, but rather a means to an end, although it actually says that exactly in the book, so I'm not sure about this criticism. Uh, there's one that we glorify failure, and we have forgotten that we should be you know, having more success. Uh, which I always say thank you so much, appreciate that. Now, it's really easy as a community to be dismissive of these criticisms, and a lot of people in the community have written great blog posts detailing point by point while these criticisms are totally wrong, self-serving and inane, and I, of course, always appreciate that. But I think for the next couple of days, it behooves us to actually try to take them seriously and say, well, what, what is there to be learned from the fact that, you know, especially in elite corners of Silicon Valley, people are having the experience that Lean Startup is this kind of weird religion where people spout buzzwords and don't actually deliver for customers. Now, I don't think that's fair for the people in the room who have been around. I, I feel like it's an unfair criticism, but they're describing something real that they are actually experiencing. So who are those people? that are doing that, and most of them, I would suggest, uh, are not actually primary consumers of Lean Startup. They probably haven't read the book, they heard about it secondhand, you know, they saw it on a website somewhere, and they said, hey, I got a great idea, I'll take my same old crappy venture pitch, and I'll spread a bunch of lean jargon on it, and then I will be able to raise money from fancy people. And if anyone's thinking of doing that, it's not a good plan, it doesn't work, they see right through that, so please, I ask you, do not. But the reason I bring this up is, 
uh, we are starting now as a movement to cross over truly into the mainstream of business. And I think this is hard for us to wrap our minds around. It's hard for us to remember just how incredibly big the mainstream is. So a lot of people in Silicon Valley, a lot of people in this room, a lot of people watching on the live stream, Lean Startup is kind of old news. We've been at this for five years, or depending on how you count more. Uh, so it's kind of like, yeah, been there, done that. Everyone knows about Lean Startup. Everyone knows minimum viable product. Everyone knows that you're supposed to pivot, et cetera. So let's, what's the next thing? A lot of people working on, moving on to the next thing. But what I want to come here to tell you is the vast majority of people who will adopt Lean Startup have never heard of it today. Every day I go into companies, and, and you just can't understand, not only have people not heard about Lean Startup, but pick your other favorite thing that you consider the most obvious truth about business, that software is eating the world, that disruptive innovation is important, that you can't just rest on your laurels, you know, that we live in the 21st century. And every one of those ideas, I meet people, not just rarely, but every single day of my work, who don't know that yet. Who are like, what, is mobile really gonna be a thing? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I think, I think it's here to stay. Like, I think the internet is gonna work out. And people are having an argument about it. So, so, so if people don't even understand that there's a thing called the internet and it's important for their work, like Lean Startup seems very avant-garde. So the reason I bring this up is most of the people who are going to be out there spouting things about Lean Startup, the religion, are going to hear about it secondhand. And guess who they're going to hear it from? You. Each of you has an opportunity, as you get excited by the conference, as you take these ideas back into your world, into your companies, to uh, spread the word, to teach others, to be an evangelist for these ideas. And, and it behooves us to be thoughtful about how we do that. If we just spout off bromides and be like, hey, everybody, we're going to fail fast and it's going to be awesome. Um, that's actually not very effective, and it's not actually true to what we really believe. Lean Startup is a lot more than just the slogans you can print on a bumper sticker. It is, you know, as we've been talking about for many years now, uh, the management discipline that deals with extreme uncertainty. And that means that the things that we need to be talking about are not just how do we get started, how do we build MVPs, but how do we build companies, a new breed of company that can scale and sustain innovation for the long term. That is the kind of company we want to build, a modern company versus the old-fashioned one uh, that we're so used to working in. And so we have real enemies out there and we need to worry about them. But the enemies that we face are not Dr. Evil. It's not the cartoon Hollywood you know, villain who we gotta go take down and commit. Like, that's not the evil that I want us to come out of this conference attacking. The evil are these pervasive systems that slowly but inexorably sap the most precious resource we have as a society, which is people's time, energy, and creativity. And that means changing those systems requires us to do more than just evangelize, hey, Lean Startup is a cool set of techniques. It requires us to really examine in ourselves what are we doing to lead that transformation, that change, to the next new system that can unlock people's creativity, even in the deep bowels of the most boring parts of our companies? So, what does that transformation look like? I think we're starting to get a glimpse of what that could be, and I want to share just one idea that has really struck me this year. Almost every company I talk to, including tiny startups and huge companies, is either in the process of or has just completed a massive organizational change from one system to another. Either like they were a matrixed organization and now they've gone to functional silos, or they just stopped being a functional silo and now it's all about P&Ls and cross-functional teams or what have you. And what's interesting about these transformations is they are generally successful. Things are generally better after the transformation than before. Of course, there's a lot of collateral damage. But uh, in the process, we discover a lot of waste and people are happier in the new system than they were in the old. But the mistake that we make is thinking that, okay, now we're done. Excellent, we made the change to the one true system that is gonna work in our company forever and now we don't need to do it again. And the recognition I think we've had in the Lean Startup movement is we need to practice 
Just like we practice continuous innovation, we say, look, it's not enough just to find product market fit that one time and then rest on your laurels. Uh, we need to practice continuous transformation of the companies that we build to say that there is no such thing as the one true system for the 21st century. The rate of change that we face is so extreme and so exponential that we're going to always have to be adapting and figuring out what's new. And that transformation is a startup. So I don't care if your company is 25 people or 25,000 people or 250,000 people. When you want to change the way the system works, you don't want to just have a committee do a design and build a big binder and say, hey, everybody, here's the new system we're changing on Monday. We want to test and explore and iterate on the systems of accountability themselves, and that is an entrepreneurial venture. And what I'm really excited about personally is that we have now the beginnings of a theory that can unify seemingly very disparate kinds of projects. We all know Lean Startup for new products, right? New, high-tech, uh, you know, new source of business, new source of growth for the company. Excellent. Lean Startup, very good for that. We now have these kind of internal process projects like new IT systems, new legal systems, new HR systems. You're going to hear a lot about that over the course of the next couple of days. And as well, we're starting to add in these organizational design problems. And to say, wait a minute, these are all startups. A startup is actually an atomic unit of work that a company can deploy against a problem that has high uncertainty. And we have a system for dealing with that. I think has really interesting implications. It means that people can have as a career path not just being a general manager, but being an entrepreneur across all of those domains. So I'm pretty excited about it. Now, the idea I want to stress is something that we talk about called the startup way. This is mentioned in my book, but is not, uh, not something that fits on a bumper sticker very well, so I don't hear about it too often. Uh, it's a very simple pyramid. It goes like this from base up. Accountability, process, culture, people in that order. And I think it's really important that we remember, if we want to have the kind of change, if we want to do a process change, like get people to adopt continuous deployment or pivots or A-B testing or whatever our favorite technique is, we have to start with how we hold people accountable. How do they get promoted? How do we say that they've done a good job? And to have new accountability, we need a new accounting paradigm. In other words, math. So sorry about that. It's, I told you it was going to be boring. You were forewarned. Uh, but if we don't study those new techniques, we're not going to be able to have the new process change that we want. We're not going to be able to incubate that new culture of innovation and continuous innovation. And that's not going to allow us to really unlock the creativity of the best people. So that is our project over the next couple of days. We've tried to source stories of lean startup at scale in hyper-growth situations, of course, at many name brand famous companies, but also at a lot of companies you've never heard from, to show you that this is not just about, hey, I got started with a landing page, a quick MVP, boom, I am a lean startup guru, ninja, rock star, whatever. That doesn't count. The people who would impress me, the people that I want us all to aspire to be, are the people who can create a company of lasting value for the long term, that is a truly modern company that is distinct from the old-fashioned structures we all know. So what are the elements of a modern company? How do you know it when you see it? I think it's really three things. One, you have a company that by design grows not just through traditional execution, but by this new kind of continuous innovation. It's always trying to figure out what's next in terms of what customers want and how do we serve them better. Two. Every employee of the company has it as their human right to know in their bones for sure that the work that they do every day matters to somebody other than their boss. It's affecting customers in a positive way, not as a leap of faith, but as a fact that has been scientifically validated. And third, that it practices this new kind of transformation to say, we are always trying to think about what's next. What is the next structure that will best adapt us to the future? That is a modern company. That is our task. That is what I hope you will take from this conference to go out and be an evangelist, not just for the buzzwords, but for that as well. 
In any event, I really appreciate you being here. I thank you to all of our international and live stream viewers. Uh, Sarah, can we get this conference started? Okay, thank you all very much. Appreciate it.